everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up BFW's weekly show where we hit on all of the biggest news of the week. There's probably no bigger news than Germany being upended in the group stage from the Women's World Cup. Awful, awful news. Terrible, terrible showing for a team that was much, much better than they were able to show out on the pitch during the tournament. It's very, very disappointing. If you listen to our flagship show, I dove into some of the issues that Germany might be facing, including talent identification and talent development. It is a virus that has spread from the men's side over to the women. There is just something not right in Germany in terms of its national teams. And I don't want to sound like this is... uh, Me crushing them, because I think that there's a a good amount of talent in Germany. Uh, Believe it or not, especially on the women's side, I thought the women's side was better equipped to go further into the tournament than the men were earlier this year. Uh, But there are issues. And as you heard on the flagship show, those are things that are not going to be solved easily. Germany has to figure out what's going on, why they cannot put together winning teams in international play. And they're going to have to figure it out soon because the world is getting better on the women's side. Spain, England, France, you can see some of the smaller countries like Jamaica, Haiti, even Morocco. They are are showing that they can compete on the big stage. It is no longer a game that is going to be dominated by the likes of the U.S. and the Germans. There are... (laughs) going to be some very, very interesting international tournaments in the future. So if you have not been checking out that Women's World Cup, you really should. The quality of play has been excellent. There's been good drama, good storylines. I encourage you to check it out. We could do three hours on what's wrong with Germany, but we're not going to do that. Just because on the flagship show, I touched on enough of that. You want to hear my takes on Germany? men's and women's what's going on there check out the flagship show from last week for this episode of the weekend warm-up we have some pretty interesting things to talk about because if you've been watching Bayern Munich on its preseason tour in Asia you have seen a lot you have seen some good some bad and you've seen a lot in the middle and I think it's fair to start looking at how things are playing out under Thomas Tuchel where some of the players are falling, who's excelling, who might be in trouble. We've got, I've got takes for days on all that. So we are going to hit heavy into what has been going on with Bayern Munich during the preseason. So let's just get started right with that. The preseason tour itself, I would say you have to say it was successful. Of course, you had the early loss to Manchester City, which who isn't going to lose to Manchester City this year. Uh, You saw Bayern have a very lackluster effort against Kawasaki Frontal, and then they were able to, of course, win that match, but it didn't look great doing it. Thankfully, Josip Stanisic showed up. Of course, Stanisic was one of the really surprised players during this tour, and we will talk a little bit about him in a bit. Finally, Bayern closed out the tour with a very exciting win over Liverpool, come from behind victory. This was the kind of match, even though it was an exhibition, it does show you that there's something there with this team. And even if it was a squad full of reserves that ultimately pulled out that victory, 
there's something good going on. It doesn't mean there's going to be something great, but right now there's a good vibe around this team. They're gelling, they're meshing, they're supporting each other. That's what you want to see in a preseason tour. Now, was everything great? No, absolutely not. But there was enough to make me be very optimistic about the season. And I'll be even more optimistic if a couple of moves that we think are going to happen actually do. And we will touch on those later as well. So let's look at what might be going on and really think about those positions on the team section by section at goalkeeper. I think there is a, a legit reason to be concerned about Manuel Neuer. We know that after this week, we found out there was some complications with his surgery uh, for his broken leg. He actually had to go back under the knife, I believe to get a screw removed in May, which was not publicized at the time. And of course, when Neuer scaled back his, rehab and when he really took some time off i mean a lot of fans were left wondering like what the hell is going on why is he taking more time off i thought he was making progress well as it turns out he had a necessary medical procedure but now we're in august and it doesn't seem like the progress that neuer thought he could make is really still happening so yeah i think there is a legit reason to be concerned about the goalkeeper situation and as i said here last week I still don't think that means you go out and you dump a lot of money into a goalkeeper right now. I think the club has to really make a determination on Neuer. Is he going to be ready to go? Is he going to make it for the long haul of the season? And if he is, there's no reason to do anything. But if he's not, I don't see any reason to let Jan Sommer walk away and go to Inter Milan. I think if there's any doubt about Neuer, you keep Sommer, and maybe you have to do something to make it right by him. Of course, we have heard about Summer potentially having a gentleman's agreement with Bayern Munich to sell him if Neuer was going to come back and take the job. We'll see what happens with that scenario. But if you have to bump up Summer's salary to have him for half a season at a minimum, then you do it. And I think you do it happily because it's a hell of a security blanket to have. And, and listen, you still could sell Summer in the winter transfer window. That could happen now. Understand that the opportunity to sell him to Inter Milan will probably go away. The opportunity to get as much as four to six million for him will absolutely go away because everyone will know if Manuel Neuer is coming back, that summer is up for sale and that summer has to leave. And I don't think you'll get anything for him. And I guess that's okay too, because if Neuer's back, that means he's healthy. It means he's ready to go. And it means he's going to be the starting goalkeeper. At that point, you don't need summer. So that would be the plan of action I would take. I think we learned that Summer still he still has it. I mean, there's no doubt he can come in and do a good job. I still like Sven Ulreich as well, and I get that he has his limitations, but I do think he is a security blanket for Manuel Neuer. Neuer likes him. Neuer likes to work with him. It makes that everyday training experience that much better for Neuer that he's got someone he can trust in Sven Ulreich who's not trying to take his job. So uh, there's a lot going on at goalkeeper. But I'll say it again, I do not think Bayern Munich should go out and spend any significant money on a goalkeeper. I wouldn't even bring anyone in. I would ride this out, and I would hope for the best. I would hope that that Neuer can make it all the way back. I would hope that Summer can hold the fort down until Neuer comes back. 
But if I've got summer and something ultimately happens with Neuer, I know I can ride it out with him for a year and get some excellent goalkeeping for whatever lies next for Neuer, whether that means he sits out the season, whether that means he retires, whatever. I know if I have summer that that's a hell of a, a good place to be. So right now I'm going to hold on the summer. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed on Neuer. I'm going to be thankful about Ulrich. And I am not going out and getting anyone else to play between the sticks. Now, right in front of the goalkeeper, <laughs> I think we've we've started to see some things with this defense that are both promising and concerning. And I know that sounds weird. Uh, I think some of the promising things are that Matthijs De Ligt really does look like he has stepped into that role to be not just the leader of the back line, but also the leader of the team. He looks and acts like a captain. He speaks like a captain. Everything that comes out of his mouth these days is pretty much golden. If you've been reading BavarianFootballWorks.com, you've seen quite a few articles over the past week about Delict and his takes on what's going on with the team, some of his teammates. I have never seen a player more capable of jumping into a team during his second season and really becoming that kind of player, that kind of captain. I'm not just talking about someone who's handed the armband because they're a great player. No, this is a guy that understands leadership. He understands his position. He understands his responsibilities on the field, and he understands how to relate to his teammates. And I think that Right now, if you had to look at all of Brazo's moves, and he Brazo made some good ones along with a few bad ones, you would have to say that Delict was really the move, the last one that he made, the last great, great move. And I think that as much as maybe I had kind of thrown some darts at Brazo over the years, and I know many of you have as well, he nailed this one. Delict has been absolutely terrific. And it looks like he's going to be the leader on that back line for a very long time. Now, who plays next to Delict? That's a question. We'll start with Benjamin Pavar because I think Pavar has had a good preseason. I thought he's looked decent in the games. I think he's building from where he was last year. He wasn't perfect by any means. But I think Benjamin Pavar, if, if I had to pick a number two center back, I think right now it would be him. However, the latest news from SportBuild indicates that Pavar wants to leave. He still wants to, to take a transfer elsewhere away from Bayern Munich. So at some point during this summer transfer window, Bayern Munich's going to have to get serious about figuring out what it wants to do with Pavar. Do they want to keep him for this year and risk losing him for free next summer, which it sounds like they absolutely will? Or will they just buckle down and trade him just a trade, sorry. I have too much of the Major League Baseball uh, trade deadline on my mind. Do they want to let Pavar transfer this summer, get something for him, and then just move on with the rest of the crew that they have at center back? I think both are viable options for Bayern Munich at this point, but I do think the wise move would be to sell Pavar if he really doesn't want to be at Bayern any longer. I think you have to sell him. Uh, he's too good of a player to let walk for free. And I know he could be very valuable this season because of his versatility. And because quite frankly, he's been pretty damn good now uh, for quite a while. So I get why Thomas Tuchel would want to keep him. 
I get why the club's brass would even consider eating that potential transfer fee so that they could maintain having him on the roster. But I think you do have to sell him. I think you have to let him go somewhere where he wants to be. And you have to take that money and reapply it to one of the few potential sales uh, or transfers in that you have already. So Pavar, as much as I like him and I like his versatility, I do think Byron has to sell him. Diupa Makano, <laughs> man, I, I don't think he was bad during the preseason tour. I thought he had some up and down moments, but it just, to me, it doesn't seem like Tuchel is a big fan. It seems like Tuchel prefers a different style of player there. And I think that ultimately Tuchel is going to run with Matthijs De Ligt and Kim Min Jae as his starting center back duo. Might not happen initially. We know that De Ligt was a little bit banged up. We know that Kim Min Jae has to, of course, get himself back into shape because playing in Italy, for whatever reason, takes the cardio and legs away from players. But once Kim Min Jae is back and he's fully ready to go, and Delict is 100%, and he's clear, I think Upamakano is going to be the odd man out. And I guess you could throw Josip Stanisic in as a potential option as someone that could play there. But of course, what we know about Stanisic is he can pretty much play anywhere, either outside back position, center back, he could play as a six, he could play as a wing. The guy can just play anywhere. So Stanisic, I think if you lose Pavar, at least you have Stanisic to be able to jump around and Speaking of Stanisic, really, there probably was not a player that helped himself out more than Stanisic over that preseason tour. Two goals. It looked like he was very attentive, very focused, very active. Uh, he is a player I think we can keep an eye on because he's right on that cusp. He's good enough to start for a lot of teams, but maybe not at Bayern Munich just yet. And I think that that's something that fans are going to have to keep an eye on because you can't keep a talent like Stanisic down forever. He's eventually going to want to spread those wings and play somewhere. And I think if the if the right move came up for Stanisic, the Bayern would entertain the thought of loaning him away. But I think Tuchel recognizes that if Pavar leaves, you need that versatile kind of player on the roster to be able to step in and play a number of different positions Stanisic really would be one of the only players capable of doing that. I, I actually think that he'll be very important to the team this season and maybe not because of him actually playing on the field, but because of what he means to the roster and what he can allow Tuchel to do with some of the other players. So Stanisic, I think has, has really done well for himself. Upamakano probably needed to do a little bit more. And speaking of players who probably needed to do a little bit more, Usar Mizrawi, uh, again, he seems like a player who is not necessarily on Tuchel's radar. I don't know if it's a playing style thing or if it's just that Tuchel doesn't like him as a player. It just doesn't seem like those two are in sync on, on where Mizrawi should be. I think Mizrawi envisions himself as a starter this season. I don't know if it will happen. Uh, you would think if Pavar leaves that Masrali would have that inside track and things would look good for him. But you also have Stanisic, who has played really, really well. So um, Masrali is a very interesting case. We know that he's unhappy. We kind of get the feeling that Tuchel's not a huge fan. So whatever happens with him will be very interesting to see. He clearly was, in my mind, not one of the winners from this preseason tour. 
when you look over at the other side, you look for Alfonso Davies, who I thought did really, really well in the Liverpool match. Um, I've been hard on Davies, admittedly, and, and I'm hard on Davies because we see the potential of what he can be. And for whatever reason, he has not gotten to that level that he should be at yet. And I know he's a younger guy and I know that all players develop at different paths and different speeds. I, I think there's so much more that Davies can do. I think he needs to really fine tune parts of his game. Uh, there's a lot that he can improve upon and be better at, but he has, he has at, at a lot of times shown that ability. And I think during the preseason tour, when he needed to step up, he was able to do that. And that gave me a lot of confidence in him that hopefully he's starting to get it. Hopefully he cannot be as careless with the ball. Hopefully he can be way more attentive to his defensive positioning. And hopefully he gets that drive back to hustle. I think the play with Mo Salah in the Liverpool game, we saw that Davies, when he had to be in one of those, for lack of a better term, 1v1 duel when they were both chasing down a ball, you could see the urgency in Davies and how he attacked that ball, even drawing two-hand shove from Salah, who the two players had a good laugh about it afterwards. But um, when Davies plays like that and he plays at that speed and he plays like he wants to be a complete player, there might not be a better left back in the world. But can we see that from him consistently? I hope so, because that would be a huge difference maker for Bayern Munich over the course of the season. But of course, with Davies, there's always, always uh, something else at play. And of course, this time we just saw a recent report come in from Spain that Davies has already let Real Madrid know that he is game to make the move over to Spain next season. Uh, next summer, I should say. Uh, Davies, of course, wants to stay in place until the uh the next world cup cycle that's what we had all heard but his contract ends in 2025 if he's going to make a move before the world cup in 2026 it would have to be next summer and if he is that serious about real madrid it'll be very interesting if we fast forward a year to see how accurate these reports are we saw many many reports earlier this summer linking davies to real madrid and several other clubs. But at this point, things had really died down, and then all of a sudden this rumor came back. So for Davies, uh, I think it's a situation where if he goes out and has a great season, it's probably the end for him at Bayern Munich because I think that he'll want to make that move to Real Madrid. I really do think he's eyeing that and that he wants to get himself back on track and straightened up at Byron this season. Byron's a great club to get yourself back on track with. And if you can do that in the Bundesliga and the Pokal and the Champions League, you're really going to make yourself a lot of money next year in the summer transfer window. So uh, I I'm making that early prediction that Davies probably leaves next summer, but we could be poised to see the best of him heading into that summer transfer window because I think he's going to make a concerted effort to fix all of those parts of his game that I, for one, have been very, very hypercritical of. Uh, at this point, we will take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to take a look at the midfield situation and the attack. Got some thoughts on how those two positions are progressing because you know everyone knows that 
there are some issues at each of those spots and there's a lot of options for Thomas Tuchel and it remains to be seen exactly who he relies on to fill out his starting 11. But we'll discuss all that in just a couple of minutes. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for sticking with us here at the Weekend Warm-Up Podcast. Of course, right now we're breaking down the preseason tour and where everyone stands after what Bayern Munich did in Asia. Let's get right into the midfield. Of course, <laughs> Thomas Tuchel's not really letting anything get in the way of showing what he wants to do. He started Yashua Kimmich and Conrad Leimer in all three games. It's very, very clear at this point that those are the two players that he wants to ride for his starting 11 and double pivot. There's a lot to talk about with the midfield. So let's let's get moving with it. Yashua Kimmich, to me, was okay during the tour. He didn't do anything special. Uh, the biggest thing that I think came out of the tour for Kimmich is that he seemed to get a little bit irked when reporters were asking him about Thomas Tuchel's obsession with getting a, a holding midfielder in, someone that could really anchor down in front of the defense and not expose the back line. Uh, Kimmich definitely took that a little weird when he was asked about it, even stating that he is a number six and then ending the interview. I think Tuchel really does want a defensive midfielder in. I think that Kimmich has to figure out who he is and what position he wants to play. I had always thought of Kimmich as a six, maybe not your traditional destroyer six, but definitely someone that could play and be a distributor in front of the back line while not leaving those holes and not leaving the two center backs exposed. I thought Kimmich could be that kind of player, but last season Kimmich absolutely ventured further upfield than we had ever seen him. It looked like he wanted to be an eight. We saw so many rumors stating that he wanted to be an eight, but now all of a sudden he wants to be a six again. And if he wants to really play that position, then it's on him to embrace it. If he wants to show Tuchel that he can be the man for the job, then he's going to have to play like Tuchel wants him to play. And now we're into this ego battle with Kimmich versus Tuchel, where Kimmich thinks he's a six, but wants to play like an eight. And Tuchel is flat out telling him, yes, you're my eight, but you are definitely not my six. Right now, Byron has no six. If you really look at how they play, Conrad Limer for all of his talents. And I do listen before I say what I'm going to say, and I know I'm going to take heat for it. I really personally like Conrad Limer. I personally think he can be a success at Bayern Munich. I also do not think that he is better than Leon Goretzka. And I know that probably makes me sound like an idiot to most of the people out there since Goretzka is the resident whipping boy this summer, but Limer had his chance. He's played three games and he's been, Okay. He hasn't been great. I wouldn't say he's been bad, but I wouldn't say that he's done anything to really put a stranglehold on the position and assert himself there. Gretzka, again, he's come off the bench three games. He's been okay. I think it's time, though, to take a look and see what Yashua Kimmich and Leon Gretzka look like together once again. I hope that Tuchel experiments with that, or at least tries that in the DFL Super Cup. I don't think he will do that. I think he wants to send Goretzka every message that he needs to leave town. And I don't think Goretzka wants to go. For a lot of what people say about Goretzka for some of his views and some of the heat that he takes for some of the work he does off the field, 
I know that sounds weird, but people are critical of just about everything he does these days. I think that Goretzka loves being a part of Bayern Munich. I think he loves the club. I think he loves the team. We know he's got a lot of good friends here at Bayern Munich, but Tuchel does not like him. And no matter what Tuchel says, he cannot hide the way he barked at Goretzka last season. He can't, just It's the same way he barked at Dio Upamakano in the games during the preseason. It seemed like there are just a subset of players that Tuchel just does not like on this roster. And whether I'm reading too much into his behavior and how he uses players or not, I think that Goretzka is falling into this category of being a player who is absolutely good enough to start at Bayern Munich. He's good enough to start at many other power clubs. But for whatever reason, this particular coach doesn't want him. So Goretzka is going to have a tough choice. He supposedly has Manchester United interested. He supposedly has West Ham United interested. Some are even saying Liverpool might be interested in him as well. Either way, whatever happens, Goretzka, is, it's up to him now. Does he want to stay with Bayern Munich and know that the coach probably won't play him? Or does he want to move on and fight for a position on another squad, potentially even moving to another country? I don't know if Goretzka wants that. At one point, I thought he might be a candidate to go to Borussia Dortmund, but of course, Dortmund picked up Marcel Sabitzer, and they've already got a handful of players uh, that could fill the void there as well. So I don't know. With Goretzka in his situation, with Kimmich and Limer not looking great, Ryan Gravenberg still has been linked to a move away and is also another player who does not appear to be a favorite of Tuchel. There are a lot of possibilities. You know, I didn't mention Rafael Guerrero because he's been a player that some are speculating could play in the midfield. We all we all mostly know him as a left back, but he's hurt and won't be available for a bit. So you don't even have that X factor to mix in either at left back or in the central midfield. There are a lot of possibilities for how this breaks out. I think Tuchel just doesn't want Goretzka on the team. And I think unless Goretzka really sits down and thinks what this season's going to be like if he has to sit behind Limer and Kimmich and you know whatever other number six they bring in. Uh, if he doesn't make that decision soon, I think he'll ultimately regret it. I just don't see Tuchel being the kind of coach that's going to change his mind on the player. I think he's got his mind made up about Goretzka, just like I do a couple of other players. But uh, you know, for Goretzka's sake, this is a big season for him. It's ahead of the Euros. He's probably going to have to do some reflecting and figure out what he wants out of this season and what's going to set him on the best pathway forward. Right now, and I didn't think I would be saying this, I think the midfield is the weakest area of Bayern Munich's roster. And I don't know that Tuchel's got a solution for it. I don't know that the club's going to go out and get a number six that can actually do the job the way Tuchel's going to want that number six to play and then be able to mesh and meld with Joshua Kimmich, who is not an easy guy to play with uh, as part of a double pivot, as I'm sure Leon Goretzka and Conrad Limer could both attest to by this point. So there are a lot of things going on. And of course, with Kimmich, we know that there are those rampant rumors that he may be leaving as well. At this point, everybody's leaving Bayern Munich. But I mean... For an area where I thought would be the strength of the team, 
for years to come. I'm very disappointed by the fact that I'm looking at these midfielders now and saying, I don't know how they match up with some other power clubs and I don't know how they win the midfield battle. So there'll be something to keep an eye on, of course, but there is the possibility that Bayern Munich could go out and bolster the position. I just don't know that there's anyone good enough out there to make it any better. With the attack, I thought I saw a lot of promising things. Now, let's just get this out of the way. This is a very, very good attack. When you're talking about having Serge Gnabry, Leroy Sané, and Kingsley Coman as three players on the wing who can really anchor it down, and you can mix, mix and match any of the three, they're going to give you speed. They're going to give you danger. I mean, they present danger to every opposing defense. And I know that's sacrilegious to say sometimes with some of you because Gnabry has haters, Sané has haters, Coman has haters. And I, I have not always been the most complimentary person toward those three players. I like to say that like I just evaluate game to game. And overall, I think they're all fantastic players. But over the course of the season, you know, sometimes they fall in the slumps and sometimes they need to be called out for it. And sometimes they need to sit. Gnabry and Sané, especially last season, went through some wretched periods I thought Coman was the best of the lot last year, but right now during this preseason, all three I thought looked really good. And I thought they looked like they were ready to get going and just disrupt opposing defenses. Now, at this present moment, you were looking at Matisse Tell. You were looking at, uh, well, of course, this is a team with with Eric Maxim, Chupo Moting, and Thomas Muller not being at, at a full 100%. They weren't really even, they have, I should say they haven't even been major factors as of yet, but this is a very, very talented group. These are a set. These are three wingers that can create offense just about every time they touch the ball. When you have players like Muller and Chupo and Musiala who have done a really good job of working with these wings in the past, it shows you that there is, there's a lot to work with here. There is some promise. But of course, without that strong number nine, you're never going to see this attack reach its full potential. And that's why I wanted to say, for all of this talent that they have, this all gets exponentially better if Bayern Munich actually brings in Harry Kane. I mean, if this is going to be a good attack without Kane, this could be a world-class attack with him. And yes, I know he's getting older. Kane is 30. I mean, God, listen, all of you bitching about <laughs> Kane's age, I'm 46 now. I'm going to be 47 in a few weeks. I would trade, you know what I'm going to say, to be 30 again, okay? <laughs> I'm not worried about Kane. I think he'll be a great fit here. I think with those players on the wing, with Musiala and Muller distributing, I think if you have Eric Maxim Chupo Moting as your bench option, your depth guy who can come and play any position along that front line attack, I think that's a great spot to be in. And one thing I want to say that I thought was really, really intriguing is that Thomas Tuchel indicated that he has six really great wings on this roster. And why this was so interesting to me was not just because it gave some credence to Coman and Gnabry and Sané all staying and all being major contributors. But the thought that Tuchel might actually use Musiala on the wing is music to my ears. 
I have been calling for Musiala to get more time on the wing because when he was slumping, it seemed like a no-brainer to put him in positions where he could be in 1v1 spots where he wouldn't have to take that beating in the middle of the park. There were so many good reasons to play him at wing, and yet no one did when he was scuffling last season. If Tuchel wasn't just talking at his rear end, I'm hoping that he does see that Musiala can be a valuable contributor as a wing, that he's a good option there, and that it allows you to play Musiala and Muller together. Because otherwise, I don't know if if Tuchel's going to stick with a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, whatever the hybrid mix is these days that he's using. I don't know that there's any other way to use Muller and Musiala together. And I still say, unless Muller has a drop-off this season that Byron in recent years has looked best with those two working together. And the only way to do that in a four, two, three, one is to have Musiala out on the wing. I think it's a good option. I think it's a good thing. Of course, Tuchel thinks that it's not just Musiala as that fourth wing, but he thinks that Chupo Moting can be a great option at wing. And also that Matisse tell can be one as well. And, and that's another key point here. Tell we saw operating as a striker most of this preseason, but Tuchel was realizing, much like Julian Nagelsmann supposedly did, that Tell's future might be out on the wing. And it's great that he has the flexibility to come in and play striker, that he can play centrally and make an impact. But if he can assert himself on the wing, it would allow Bayern Munich some flexibility in a year or two to start thinking about letting some of those higher-priced veterans go and being able to replace them with a relatively cheap option in Matisse Tell. So there is a lot going on with that whole situation, but the bottom line for me with the attack is I liked what I saw. I know it wasn't only good. Uh, it, it, it wasn't, uh, I shouldn't say it wasn't only good. It wasn't always good, but I think that I saw enough that it, there is going to be a good start to the season that the players out on the offensive flanks are going to do a good job of breaking down the opposing defenses. And if Kane comes in, look out, because I do feel like uh, depending on who starts behind him, uh, this could be a really, really world-class attack. Even in it doesn't matter day-to-day if it's a Musiala or Muller, if you get those wings on the pitch with Kane, I think you're going to just cause disruption. And Kane could be poised to have a really, really great year at Bayern Munich. Finally, what I learned from the preseason as well is that I still have a lot of doubts about Tuchel. Tuchel, to me, is not pushing all the right buttons. I don't think he's quite connecting with the players in a way that he needs to connect with them. And I'm not just talking about his tactics because there's obviously some disconnect there between what the players want to do, what they can do, and what Tuchel is asking them to do. I'm just not fully convinced on him yet, and I don't need to hear his resume. I don't need to hear about what he's won and and what he's achieved. He's obviously a very good coach, and I'm not going to sit here and berate him or say he's a bad coach or anything like that. I just don't know if he's the right coach for Bayern Munich. Uh, With some of the things that are going on behind the scenes, depending on which reports you believe, Tuchel could be at odds right now over things like a defensive midfielder where he really feels it's a necessity, but Uli Honus might not. And uh, apparently the two might be butting heads behind the scenes about this. 
Now, it wouldn't be the first time a coach and an executive disagreed on an important matter, but Tuchel has a very volatile personality. He's also someone that can create a toxic environment pretty quickly, not just for a complete team, but for individual players and with interpersonal dynamics with other people he has to work with in the club. It happens. There's a long track record of this happening. If he chooses to go down that road and create an us versus them environment between himself and the executives, it's not going to end well for him because it, it's not PSG. It's not Borussia Dortmund. You know, it's not Chelsea. If there's a whiff of a coach being a little bit defiant about how things are going, I think it's going to be a very a long, long road for Tuchel. Now you can look back and you can say, well, Hansi Flick and Brazo, they were they were butting heads the entire time. Yes, but Flick had people on his side. Carl Heinz Rumenega was on his side. And even though Rumenega was on his way out of the club at that point, Flick was still a person who had just won a sex tuple. You had Rumenega backing him. You kind of had Khan as a neutral at the time. But even if you had Honus and Brazo teaming up on Flick, you didn't have the full Flick must go vote. So even though there were disagreements there, there was enough of uh, an internal split on Flick that he wasn't going to be affected by it. He wasn't going to get the players he wanted, but he certainly wasn't going to lose his job. And of course, ultimately, Flick bailed out anyway because he was totally unhappy with Brazo and the way Brazo was treating him, whatever, all water under the bridge at this point. But for Tuchel, I don't think he'll get quite as much of a leash from Bayern Munich if things aren't looking good, if the team gets out to a slow start and he's having these types of back and forth issues with the executives, I think it could be a quick run here for Thomas Tuchel, but that's not something I necessarily want to see. I want to see him succeed. I want to see him push all the right buttons with the team. I want to see him make all of the right decisions on personnel. And I want to see him have success first and foremost. So, for him to do that, he's going to have to maybe change some of his ways. Can he do that? Nah, I don't know. Not quite sure how that's going to work. But that is why we will have this season. And that is what's going to make it fun. A couple of quick things to close this episode on. Uh, just to nail out a couple of quick ones. Uh, who helped themselves the most over the preseason tour? I would say Josip Stanisic and Serge Gnabry. I thought... Those two really did well for themselves. And uh, I'm very intrigued to see how Tuchel handles both of them moving forward. Some players who might be in trouble. Of course, we talked about Goretzka and Upamakano. We talked about Nusarm's rally as well. Just something seems off there. But Paul Vonner, interestingly, he wasn't really called upon. Uh, whether that has to do with any lingering issues from last year, uh, whether it's injuries or whatever, we don't know. Uh, there's a lot of speculation he could be loaned out, and, and that would be a good reason not to play him. But I think by now, even though he's very young, we had all heard so much about Vonner that we thought that he would be making a little more progress, maybe be a little bit more into the mix with the first team than he currently is. Uh, so yeah, I think that he was a loser for this preseason tour just based on the fact that it wasn't really used. And you know, his status on the team, it's its just uncertain right now. 
And I think that he would have been the kind of player that would have had a lot to gain had he been able to play a lot. Uh, but unfortunately for him, it's something going on, whether it's injury related or loan related or whatever, he didn't get his opportunity. So uh, I, I don't know how Tuchel feels about him. We know that Flick was a fan. We know that Nagelsmann was a, fl- was a fan. Um, we don't know where Tuchel stands on Vonner. So yeah, it would have been great to see him play, but he goes right to the loser list. And I hope the kid makes it. I hope he does. Uh, the little bit we've seen of him, he can do some electric things and he can bring a lot of excitement, but this is a tough place to break in. And I think that for him to take the next step in his development, he will need a loan. So hopefully his lack of playing was all about setting up a loan uh, for him to play more this season at a higher level. Finally, finally, <laughs> the the last thing I wanted to touch on, just a couple of Bundesliga transfer kind of things. Uh, Jesko Garvidal from RB Leipzig looks like he's set to Manchester United. Uh, tough loss for the Bundesliga, of course. I think Garvidal was one of the up-and-coming players in the league. I think he has a ton of potential. Of course, he's going to go to Pep Guardiola. And listen, I'm not the biggest Pep fan. I'm just not. I, I, I Again, brilliant guy, great coach, has the most dominant team in the world right now. Uh, for all the things I don't like about Pep, he's going to take Garvidal and make him a just tremendous world-class player. I have no doubt in my mind. Uh, it's just, it's just how these things work. I mean, that's, that is the bottom line with it. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on was Jao Cancelo to, uh, potentially to FC Barcelona. Cancelo, of course, spent second half of last season with Bayern Munich on loan, uh, had a very up and down time. I thought did some tremendous things, looked great at times, uh, to me, didn't really care enough about playing defense to, to be a, the kind of player I want uh, to be able to count on as a starting outside back. I think that was the ultimate thing. Uh, of course, when when Cancelo left, Tuchel said it wasn't for footballing reasons. Um, of course, it probably had to do with he didn't want to be in uh, Germany full-time anyway. Uh, you know, listen, we all know the story. Uh, people always say they're happy when they're somewhere, but uh, if Cancelo really wanted to be at Bayern Munich, and Bayern Munich really wanted him. They could have worked something out. Uh, I just don't know that Cancelo wanted to be with Bayern any longer than he was. So it looks like he could make that move from Manchester City to FC Barcelona. So those were a couple of moves I thought were either Bayern or Bundesliga related that I thought were pretty pertinent and just wanted to mix those into the show. So that'll about wrap it up. Uh, I appreciate you hanging in. At some point, I'll get back to the entertainment portion of the show. But man, I have been like hardcore just watching, uh, of course, my Philadelphia Phillies who, you know, with Major League Baseball, they're on every night. So have not gotten back into the streaming or the shows or anything as of late, but I certainly will at some point. I know I sound like a broken record, but it takes a while. I need to get motivated to get into something. So uh, I will hit something up soon enough. Uh, as always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Tom at Tommy Adams seventy one. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get all of our great writers and podcasters at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We appreciate all of the visits to our website, all the downloads of our podcast. We love interacting with you, so please hit us up whether on social media or on the site. It's always a good time to talk to you guys. And uh, have a little banter back and forth about things. So 
Have a great weekend. Have a couple of beers on me and we will see you next time.